Welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 213. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Voyager's fourth season episodes, Scientific Method, and Year of Hell, parts one and two. Year of Hell, parts one and two, we are going to discuss as one. Here we go. Scientific Method, Season 4, Episode 7, Production Code 175, Original Air Date, October 29, 1997, Directed by David Livingston, Story by Sherry Klein and Harry Clore, Teleplay by Lisa Klink, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Rosemary Forsyth as Alzen and Annette Held as Takar. The crew report small ailments to the doctor, such as Captain Janeway, who has been suffering excruciating headaches. The crew initially attribute these problems to effects of a nearby stellar phenomenon, but over a matter of hours, Chakotay ages several decades and Neelix suffers spots all over his body and emits a strange odor. The doctor and Taurus find that they both have had their DNA stimulated by an external force and discover alien writing imprinted on the nucleides like a barcode. Computer frequency Epsilon 2. Doctor, the aliens are here on the ship. You can see them everywhere. This is worse than I imagined. You've got to let the captain know. And when I take notes, I like bold certain things. And honestly, I, I take about one page of notes for every episode. But we I only specifically bring up, for the most part, the three or four things that I bold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which kind of makes me think, why Why do I take so many notes? I don't know. But sometimes if I, like, just when you just bolt something, that jumps out at you. You don't see anything else. And out of context, it just looks funny to see Janeway gets a massage from the doctor. <laughs> I always like this episode. I think it's solid. You know, it's, it's, I really, really love Year of Hell. So we're going to get to that shortly. Um, and when placed next to Year of Hell, scientific method is not as shiny but i like this episode i think it's very effective at making me feel anxious you know it doesn't uh like we might get to like the denouma it's not as satisfying it feels like they wrap it up rather quickly and but there's so much about this episode that i really like that that first moment when seven sees the aliens walking around i mean it's 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 pretty great it's pretty good but let's see um adam what are your first thoughts here on scientific method? Yeah, it was um I I found it to be a you know, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a great episode, but I mean it was entertaining. I mean it had like like you said, it had its moments. Um had a nice flow to it. I mean, um I don't know when we get to down to what it was about. I didn't have a whole lot on that. But um yeah, I kinda agree with you. It's kinda that creepiness, you know, with seven walking around and you see all these um, you know, instruments on the crew there's respirators and um obviously um Janeway you know she's got the the needles in her head I mean that's it's really got to be unnerving I'm kind of surprised you know I was interested to see what they had attached to seven and nine because obviously when she's in the turbo lift they they stick her with something but you don't you know she doesn't look down to see what's going on with her or you know at least look in a mirror um yeah I mean you know I, I would say it's it's a little above average this episode Steve I do, I do like it. it. What's interesting is that it's, it's. I mean, I don't like again. I don't 
maybe I might not like it as well as you do, Brian, but I do, I do like it. And I think that what's kind of unusual about what makes it good is the, um, kind of the, the feel of it, the, uh, the, uh, atmosphere created. It's more of a, an atmosphere kind of the, the vibe of it is what sticks with you more so than like plot points and specific, because I think, you know, when we kind of, yeah, I'll, I'll say this for when we get to what it's about maybe, but even, even that notion, most of the time when we discuss like what something's about, it's a result of the way characters interact and the plot and the way it goes. And I think there are certain plot points and, and things that lend itself to that, but it's more about the atmosphere that's created and the kind of the, it's a, it's a subtle message that you kind of have to draw out on your own, given what they're going through and so forth that makes that makes them have something to say in some respect but it's certain it certainly is creepy and i think only a only to a couple of times does it kind of come out of that like that whole part where i get what they're doing with neelix and chakotay and comparing their ailments like you know the old folks or whatever but you know it, it feels like a little comic thing in the midst of a whole other thing that doesn't doesn't feel right in the middle of the episode maybe you know but um that's that's a minor thing i think um it, it certainly is does make you feel tense and uneasy and and that's uh you know I, i'm sure that's what they're going for so yeah that's that's what i like the most too you know like i said it makes me it, it's very effective at making me feel anxious and for the most part that's the a little bit in the beginning but mostly it's that middle section where only the Doctor and Seven know what's going on. Seven's walking around and observing the aliens and seeing what they, they're doing. She tries to go to, or she goes to uh, Janeway's ready room, right? And then sees the aliens, and uh, but then now she can't say anything because, you know, they're trying not to let the aliens know that she knows. That whole section, that's the best sequence at making you feel anxious. I almost wish... Cause, you know, so then they go and try to do this plan where she's going to do something with the power relays or something. And then Tuvok comes down and she's forced to go with her original plan and just out the aliens right then. I almost wish we'd had more of the show with that, you know, with just Seven and the Doctor and maybe, you know, one or two other people knowing and have them having to hide that they know and stuff. That's the most anxious right. parts right. to me. I feel like it might have been more effective if we'd drawn that out a little bit more. You know, and you could have done that and then drop the old folks jokes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but well, what's there? I like. I thought the um, kind of the leader of those who were holding that or doing all this crazy experiments on him, she reminded me of the Telosian Keeper kind of in the original oh, series. Yeah. You know, there's kind of that vibe, that kind of just total stoic distancing of you know i'm i totally don't fathom why you're not cool with this <laughs> thing from her you know that actress um believe me i would only know this because i just watched it there's the there's a kind of cheesy 90s movie that's there's something about it that i've always liked uh you guys probably don't even remember this movie disclosure with um, sounds familiar michael douglas and demi moore okay okay um it's not a great movie but there's it's just one of those movies that there's something about it that I don't know. Yeah. Always click with me, but she's that actress is in that movie. She's not in it much, but she plays like a really pivotal role, and she acts ex exactly the same way. <laughs> she's one but, thing, yeah. Yeah, but she's she's good. She's great. 
I like to ask sometimes if you guys remember episodes like these, because this is one that for some reason I really remembered well. I really remember that moment seeing like the aliens in Janeway's ready room, like messing with the things they put in her yes, head. Yeah. Like, oh, the headaches. And <laughs> Oh God. She's like, is there yeah. anything else? Seven. I mean, I remembered that very, very clearly. This one stick out to you guys. Those certain images like that. Yeah. I do remember that. Those images. Yeah. Was Janeway being too much of a dick to Paris and Torres? Um, I think considering the circumstances, you know, I think considering the circumstances, um, you know, you know, you're suffering. If anybody's been suffered through a migraine headache, you can, <laughs> you would you would probably understand that she was actually being fairly calm during that. So, I mean, I think it was probably something that, in normal circumstances, it wouldn't have been um, any kind of issue. Maybe just been like, "Hey, you guys, you know, be more discreet," and that would have been that would have been the end of it. Um, but I mean, you know, I think they explained it pretty well in the episode that you know she's you know you know, Janeway's, you know, suffering a great deal, um, in this episode. And so I, I don't take it as a being over, overly the top. I like that it shows what a deep relationship that she has with Tuvok, that when she tells him to, I don't know, handle some personnel issues in a, in a jerky way or something, but he was like, shall I flog them as well? You know, that he, that he feels he can say that to her, you know, and then she immediately gets it, even though, she doesn't feel great. Yeah, yeah. It says a lot about their relationship. Is this episode about anything? Um, yeah, that's where I kind of ran into a little bit of trouble when I was when I was jotting down notes for what you know, kind of what's this about? You know, it kind of. Um, I guess I kind of feel like you know, it kind of moves the story along with with Paris and um, Taurus, you know, because they they kind of come to more realization, you know, that they they do want to be with each other that the end scene there at the end was um kind of cute and um playful you know like oh thank thank goodness we found out before it got too late so it does move their relationship forward and the events of this episode kind of help them realize that but um to me that's a little bit of a could be a little bit of a stretch i don't know what you got what do you got steve yeah the only thing i could really think of is i mean there there is kind of a little bit of commentary on um on ex- experimenting on animals a little bit, you know, I mean, it's not like they overtly are saying that, but to me, the, the environment created in that kind of almost helpless, desperate feeling that our people have by the end of it, because they really have to resort to some extreme action because they're, they're outgunned. They, they, all they can do is some desperate action that may not have the best chance of success to get out of this. And I don't know, it, it kind of made me think about that. They, they make some reference in the middle of it about, you know, experimenting on, other life forms and that, but just maybe, maybe in a broader sense, that general mentality of, um, you know, dehumanizing or whatever word you want to use, um, a group of lower life forms or, you know, at least in the, from the perspective of the ones who are doing the experimenting and, uh, you know, that detachment and kind of the danger of that, because certainly these aliens had no, they, they had no qualms about doing this. It was all about just, oh, we're, we're making life better. I don't even understand what your problem is, you know? So it did make me think about that a little bit. All right. Let's do six degrees for scientific method. Steve. Mm-hmm. Annette Heldy plays Takar, the alien that is pretty sure Janeway is bluffing about flying into the stars, but only briefly. She played a lieutenant that served on the Enterprise in the year 2373. Which enterprise was that? 
Spin the E. Yes, sir. Adam, she also played a different lieutenant in DS9's seventh season. Fill in the titles blank. The blank of AR-558. I have no idea. Steve? The Siege? Yes, sir. Steve has two. Moving on. Year of Hell, Parts 1 and 2, Season 4, Episodes 8 and 9, Production Codes 176 and 177. Original air date, November 5th, 1997. Directed by Alan Croker and Mike Viger. Written by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Kurtwood Smith as Anorax, John Loprino as Oberst, Rick Fitz as Zal Ambassador, Deborah Levin as Ensign Lang, Sue Henley as Ensign Brooks, Lee Sims as Mrs. Anorax, and Peter Slutsker as Krenum Commandant. A huge ship appears in the sky of a distant alien colony and fires a large beam, erasing bustling cities below to mountains and fields. On board Voyager, Captain Janeway is informed by Seven that an area of space they are in belongs to a species that the Borg known as the Zali. Upon entering the space, a small vessel appears off Voyager's port bow and begins an unprovoked attack. The ship is a Chromelian destroyer, and the captain of the vessel barks an ultimatum at Janeway that Voyager must leave their space or be destroyed. As the ship's weapons prove useless against Voyager's hull, Janeway ignores the ship and proceeds to negotiate with the Zali. Before too long, a wave hits Voyager, wiping the Zali race from existence and making the Chromelian vessel bigger and more powerful and reducing Voyager to a severely damaged state. Temporal shields are holding. No damage. Hail them. Channel open. Krenum Vessels, this is the captain of Voyager. You may have noticed we have a defense against your torpedoes now. I suggest you stand down. Year of Hell 1 and 2. I always like these episodes. I remember how exciting it was the first time we saw it. And it was like, oh my god, this is the thing from that episode with Kiss. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah, really remember cool. that being just such a cool thing. I mean, now that would be like, <laughs> wait, that's the only connection between that nowadays. That would be a pitifully small amount of a connection in a television show. But but at the time, that, that was that was really cool. Of course, it's awesome to see Voyager beat down to her bones. There's so many great ideas in here. That whole temporal weapon thing. The Kremen and that, that uh, you know, just wiping out, you know, an entire species on a planet from changing something, changing in the timeline, but then, you know, having to pull in that thread messes up another thread, so you have to go into mess. There's just all so much stuff in this episode. It's just, it's just stock full of cool ideas and uh, in both these episodes, although um, maybe part two doesn't offer quite the resolution that maybe you'd hope for but you know we can kind of get into that but but you know mostly i i really like these episodes i think uh kurt with smith does an outstanding job as anorax and there's so much stuff i like in here steve kick us off on year of hell i too enjoyed these episodes it's got a certain kind of vibe that's um it's it's star trek and it's also very specifically star trek voyager somehow i mean there's no because i think because of 
them being on their own in this thing, it's it it feels like it's plausible. I mean, yeah, you know pretty early on that okay, probably this is something that's going to get reset. We're not going to have all these people dying and the ship be all torn to crap and stuff too. We're going to have some kind of time reset because back then, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. You know, um, that kind of continuity. But um, it is, yeah. There are there is a lot of interesting notions. Uh, the kind of the world they create within this episode and and uh yeah the what you you get of course one of those instances where you get the uh chance to see what happens to certain crew when extreme things happen you know because you don't always get to see that i mean nothing extreme happens enough to really get to push everyone's buttons to that degree and in this case you get to see it janeway is almost off her rocker by the end of it i mean she's so intense and making these risky choices and you're kind of like what's going on here and then uh I, I you know i did have thinking about that in the characters i kind of felt uh not, not so great about the way they handled chakotay um because one could say that about the whole series but <laughs> in this in this specific instance he uh he seems kind of just i don't know naive you know it just goes far enough to make him look a little ridiculous you know like falling into that trap with anorax and then of course it all just resets anyway but you know what i'm saying um i like how they approach the uh days and you see as time passes what goes on and uh the consequences um but yeah overall i think it's a it's a it's a really cool two-parter that that's a good representation of this particular star trek series and like everybody seems like they get a moment yeah Paris has that little thing with the bulkheads, like from Titanic. Mm -hmm. Doctor, the doctor has that moment with the where he has to seal the bulkhead, and then he has to, you know, tell about it, and obviously is eating at him. You know, you don't. It doesn't mm -hmm. take much, but, but everybody gets the these moments, and I love actually. I mean, Kate Mulgrew is always good, but I, I thought she was particularly good at like the end of the first part when she gives that speech to the crew, telling them basically to abandon ship. I thought she was great in that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was good writing, but I mean, her delivery, her performance there is really good. It's a good moment for her. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Um, but I, I agree with you. I mean, at first I thought Chakotay, like, he's he's fooling us, right? I mean, he's, he's trying to fool Anorex, right? But then later he was like, no, no, he's he's really, he really means it when he's like listening to him and <laughs> considering this. <laughs> um, so yeah, it does, it does not make him look great, but... Adam, what are your thoughts here? Um, yeah, I'll start off with Chakotay first. I agree with both of you guys. Um, I think um, early on he didn't. <laughs> I didn't particularly like the scene when he gave Janeway a watch, and you know she's like, "Oh, you know, recycle us. We need this." And he's like, "Well, uh, you know, he kind of came off as needy." You know, I mean, what Janeway was saying is like, "We need everything that we have for food and energy," and so I didn't quite quite get that scene i think they should have just went the other way with it on that one and he, he should have been like you know what you're right we will recycle it and i'll make it for you and everything's all better again i like i said i like the scene up right up to the point because he explains that you know it's the the watch from um from this other captain and it, i agreed with the nice sentiment but his reaction after that when she was like you know recycle it um was very good so that was the first moment chakotay didn't chakotay I thought didn't have a good moment. And then obviously I don't, I don't know. I don't quite understand what their, what the, what their decision process with Chakotay's character in the second episode with him and Anorax. Um, it just went too far. Like I said, I, I agree with both you guys and, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't ruin the character or the episodes for me at all. It's just kind of a, 
it's just kind of weird moments in there. But overall, I'm, I'm with you both. Um, these are both very memorable episodes from way back in the day. Um, it's an interest, very, very interesting concept on like, um, on time. And it's kind of unique because you get all, you know, you get a lot of different time episodes via, via the movies or different episodes of that kind of thing. And this one's kind of like original, you know, you have this, this captain hell bent on, um, you know, getting back what he, what he lost. And, um, Kurtwood Smith and you know he portrays it very well it's almost kind of like um like you said it was at Nemo Mommy Dick you know that kind of thing where you know he's just kind of hell-bent on this um and it, it kind of portrayed very well in the episode um so I enjoyed that I enjoyed the you know the time stuff basically the the new stellar cartography they don't call it that right what are they is astrometrics yeah I think it's yeah I think so but like in generations they called it stellar cartography right yeah mm-hmm I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Well, I like that that set. It's kind of neat. And if memory serves, we're gonna that's gonna be like a common place for seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Kind of like yeah. Her, her office. Yeah. There's a nice scene. I don't know, three quarters of the way through with Janeway and Seven in Astrometrics. I like that scene a lot, where Janeway is kind of like figuring out what's really going on. Um, I mean, you know what? That's even a great little story thing, like where they have to, they come up with this temporal shielding with the purpose of defending themselves from the weapons, but then that's what defends them from the, you know, changes to the timeline. I mean, it's just, there's just a lot of cool stuff in here. It's like the time travel episode that doesn't actually have time travel, right? It's, it's neat. That scene with, uh, they don't play it for, being too dark but to me it's crazy dark that scene where at the beginning of the second part when anorax is having dinner with paris and chakotay and he's like everything at this table all all the things you're eating or drinking these are all that's left from you know an entire species and a civilization you know billions of people wiped out and not just wiped out but like nobody even knows they ever existed and you're eating their delic the last (laughs) bottle of wine or something ever I mean, that is just, I mean, that, in a way, I'm sure this episode has to, like, if you define it as killing them, like, murder more sentient creatures yeah. than all of, all the rest of Star Trek put together, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. But nobody talks about it that way or thinks of it that way, but it's really dark. It's so dark that they don't bother talking about it that way because you can't, you can't. What's well, right. like well, Gen- Jacote called it right. it's genocide on a um, on a scale unimaginable scale. Yeah, yeah. So my only kind of my only nitpick would be uh, I guess we've seen this many times, but when part one is so good, it's hard. It's it's often hard for part two to live up to part one. Our go to reference there is always best of both worlds. It's not mm-hmm. that part two isn't good; it, it really is. But part one is so great, right? And like here most of the really amazing ideas there's it's all stuff that's set up in part one and then we just spend kind of part two paying it off now there are some cool stuff it's kind of neat when you've got the ships beat to hell and the only people on it are the senior staff you know and they're just trying to keep it together that's fun and cool and and i like all that stuff it's just there aren't very many moments in part two like there are in part one that made me go you know really get really excited 
Well, it's funny you were talking about the episode with um, Cass in the last season. I kept waiting for because it's been a while since I've seen these. I kept waiting for when um, Bolano was gonna was gonna die. And I'm like, we got, <laughs> got the last. I was like, well, I guess it didn't happen because um, didn't didn't she die in in the episode where? Well, Cass, Cass isn't there either. So there's obviously been some changes to changes, the timeline for sure. They hint at it when she gets injured pretty bad. Seven is the one that gets that temporal thing or the shielding or whatever so they the the number the variance numbers so they can create their shields well speaking of other scenes that i liked i just I just popped in my head you know the doctor when he had to close the hatch with the the two oncoming crew member or you know in the deck that was a good scene for him and later on with tom you know him having to emotionally deal with it um i mean i just kind of i mean i you know he had no choice but to close the hatch but just the way he kind of you know he his emotional yeah. response to it was just anger um, but he doesn't dwell on it either. No, true. You know, they don't stop the scene or right. he doesn't walk away from the patients or anything like, you know, it's just the right amount. So it's, it's, it's right. good. Yeah, it's good. There's a lot of good writing in here. Good performances. And mostly there's just so much cool stuff. Yeah. Voyager is a tough ship. Tough little ship. What are these episodes about? Um, Kind of what I got from it is like, you know, um, you know, your actions have um, consequences, not only on yourself, but, you know, everybody around you. So, I mean, and, and I take that from Anorak's perspective. So he fired this weapon and he made his, um, you know, he made his empire, you know, larger and bigger and stronger, but he kept going at it. And, you know, the effects rippled throughout time. And, you know, that obviously killed his wife and his family, these unintended consequences, so um, for me, it's kind of what this episode is about is, is like, you know, you know, the actions that you that you take, um, not only will they have consequences upon you, but they could have consequences um, throughout your entire world that you don't even see or hear about. Yeah, I think in addition to that, you have the whole danger of I mean, you, you mentioned earlier, I think, um, I think, Adam, you mentioned the Moby Dick thing, but <clears throat> it's this notion of obsession, but in this case, specifically, the dangers of uh, perfectionism in a way, you know, that kind of sure. nitpicking till, until you, because you, you can't ever get there. And in this case, you have this, the compounded problem of it being, uh, you know, a problem that you've created yourself and it being so emotionally you know, unimaginably strong. You did something that resulted in the wiping out of, you know, the people closest to you. And so it's, it, you, what, what kind of character is created out of that kind of scenario? This guy that becomes totally ambivalent. I mean, he has no, he has no qualms about these crazy actions he's taking, you know? So it's, um, I think it's, it's that kind of pairing of, um, what happens when something so tragic, you know, the, the PTSD or whatever comes out of that, that creates some kind of, you know, monster essentially combined with the fastidiousness of perfectionism, you know, and what results. And it's one of these rare episodes too, where it, it almost centers on this, this kind of the crux of it is this, you know, secondary characters, this guest star, you know, because by definition, this all resets. None of this happens. And, you know, the prime timeline does not reflect these episodes. You know, it's just a, almost like a, here's this tale, you know, that we resolve and go back to the beginning. But I think there's still, it still has something to say, um, um, vis-a-vis the, 
the the guest star in that character. So man, it, it, it's cool. It's interesting. It's a dumb thing. You know what I thought of when I was watching these? I'm like, uh, you know, with with each passing year, it seems less likely that we're ever going to get DS9 Voyager in high definition. Yeah, yeah. For the rest of my life, I'm going to want it and dream about it. <laughs> and we're probably never going to get it. And that really sucks. And if I was a billionaire, I would fix that problem. But I am not. Well, that's top of my list if I ever become a billionaire is to take care of that, you know. Yeah. Sure. Uh, as I was watching these episodes, I thought, uh, if they if they ever mastered it in high def, they would release this as a single disc thing, you know, like as, as a feature, like they did some of the next-gen stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's not going to happen. It is funny, speaking of that, how, you know, there's plenty of billionaires out there. None of them are big enough Trek fans to take care of this problem. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's silly. You know, Actually, I, I'm very excited about the, you know, I was one of the backers on that Irish Stephen Bear DS9 do- mm-hmm. documentary. Did, did we ever talk about that? I don't know, I remember. I'm sure we probably did. It's been so long. But the doc is done. It's just, they're just working on, you know, they are spending the money for all the clips they have in that doc, mm-hmm. they are taking the time and spending the money to just, they're going back to the film and finishing those clips in high def. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see, yeah, you know, I think it's something like 10 or 15 minutes worth of, I might be totally wrong about that, but it feels like it was something like that worth of clips that we're going to see in high def. And that might be the beginning and end of next gen we get, or I mean of DS9 we get in high def and then we'll probably never get anything. <laughs> You know, nobody's going to make a doc like that for Voyager, right? Um, yeah. Anyway. Well, my bigger wish is if a studio like Disney, it probably won't be Disney, would just buy up all the rights to Star Trek. And Yeah, but the problem is right- people are watching. It's like there's a chicken and egg thing there. Right? Like right now, CBS is making a buttload of money with people watching DS9 and Voyager on Netflix and I assume CBS All Access, right? People are watching it. So why should they spend the money to make it in HD? And you know what? If people weren't watching it, you know what they would say? Why should we spend the money to make it in HD? Nobody's watching <laughs> yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. So what, I mean, it's just, it's sitting there just making them money. They don't have to spend a dime. Why not? Are they going to, are they really going to make substantially more money if they finish, in high, finish it in high def based on the number of people that bought the next gen box sets in Blu-ray? I know I did. I know Steve did. We did our mm-hmm. part, but not enough people bought it. So I, mm-hmm. and they, they got to assume less people will buy DS9 yeah. or Voyager. So, uh, this has nothing to do with the RFL. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, well, for me, it would, I mean, just for streaming, you know, because that's where probably most people are watching these now is on streaming. You know, you'd want a better quality of um, stream. Yeah, but you're going to watch it regardless. People are watching it regardless. That's what I'm yeah. saying. So why should they spend the money? That's why we need. That's why we need the billionaire solution. Yep. Because mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter, right? Let's start petitioning Apple to buy all the rights to Star Trek for their streaming service. Maybe they'll fix it. All right, let's do six degrees for Year of Hell Parts 1 and 2. Um, Adam? Yes. Kurtwood Smith plays Anorax, the captain that has all the time in the world. In which feature, in which Star Trek feature, did he play the president of the Federation? That would have been Star Trek Six. Yes, sir. Star Trek Six. That is Discovery Country. Steve Kurtwood Smith also played the character Thrax in DS9's fifth season in the episode Things 
past, what species was Thrax? Jeez. Uh, was it Cardassian? Yes. I was almost going to say it, the station had a different name mm -hmm. at the time, but uh, you didn't need that hint. So Steve takes it for the day. Uh, I would like to give a quick, if anybody follows us on Twitter, you might have seen a rare tweet from me the other day. Uh, just long story short, I watched the first three episodes of Discovery second season now. Of course, no spoilers, of course. But I watched the first three episodes of Discovery second season. And I'm like way more into it than I was any of the first season. It's so great. It's really fun. I like it. I'm so glad. I'm so glad because season one, I watched it a second time right before season two, and I still couldn't get into it. It's the production values are great. It's the best ever any Star Trek show ever. But I just, it's just, I don't know. I don't want to get into details, but it's just not what I wanted out of Star Trek, right? It's not that it's bad. It's just, it wasn't quite for me. But season two, it's so different. And we're only three episodes in. Maybe it's going to change and we're going to get what we got in the first season again. I don't know. But three episodes in, it's 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 good. And it's fun. And I'm looking forward to next week or this week, whatever. And I never felt that way, season one. So I'm, I don't know if, am I the only person that thinks it feels so different? I think overall, I think the vibe's better. It's certainly more familiar. Yeah, I thought the uh, I thought the second episode of this season was really good. I thought it was really really good. That's yeah. the one with the M class planet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I liked it a lot too. I liked it a lot. I really did. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm very I'm very hopeful and excited that we're gonna get more of that. Side note, I love that they're <laughs> I love that they're doing it in scope. It's so amazing. The aspect ratio is so so incredible listeners to my podcast may recall that I might have mentioned that I spent two years building a room in my home and I've got a scope screen and uh, watching that show, watching a Star Trek TV show, because I've watched some other scope TV shows and they really don't seem like they're, I mean, they just feel like they shot it one seven, eight and matted it to, to two, four, oh, right. Like they didn't, they weren't really, they don't really have a sense for the composition the way if you watch an actual feature film, utilizes the comp you know the composition uh, of scope but i the discovery the tv show it totally feels like that it feels it's beautiful every shot is just it's gorgeous and i'm so glad <laughs> i was also worried that like cuz sometimes like tv shows or something they might put subtitles in the black and then i'd be screwed but they didn't all the klingon translations so far they're in the picture where they should be the sound is finally 5-1 on Apple TV now, unlike season one. No, I'm very happy. So, and I watched all the shorts, and uh, they were good. They were fine. And was it the, I'm not spoiling anything, but the, the future-y one, that's all I'll say. The right. future-y one, is that the one that was written by the guy that's working on the Picard series? Is that right? Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure. The Michael... Chabon, Chabon, Chabon. I don't know how to say his name. Maybe. The novelist guy. Okay, well, if that's the case, then that's that's exciting. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the case. Uh, 
Adam, I will give you, uh, this is like a, the po- politics um, thing, um, in honor of State of the Union address, I will give you equal time for uh, Orville, if you would like, proceed. <laughs> no, Orville's just fun. Orville, I wouldn't call Orville a, um, I don't know if I, I mean, it's a good show. I don't know if I would call it a good show, but it's a fun show. And um, it has the, um, I mean, I'm sure the people out there have been watching it. It has the um, the rhythms of um, Next Gen, kind of the pacing and the rhythms and the style. Um, they don't really have an overarching theme in the show. It's just kind of like one-offs, kind of like how Next Gen was. Um, you know, I've only seen the first season of um, Discovery, and I'll watch the second season probably next fall. But obviously there's a overarching theme, and that's kind of the, the way it goes right now. Um, but yeah, I've been enjoying um, Orville. I mean, they're not all – there's been a couple of clunker episodes this round, but they – you know, when the show first came out, I mean, everybody was like, you know, they thought it was just going to be some sort of comedic parody, but it's actually a real science fiction show. And that's what's kind of that's what's cool about it. Yeah, they, they should have trailered it better because they trailered it, trailered it like it was going to be like some spoopy thing. Well, I think people. Yeah, I think people are on to it. I mean, you know, when that like a year ago when it first came out, that's kind of mm-hmm. what it feel. But, you know, but the fans of it, you know, everybody knows if you've been watching it, you kind of know what it is. Um, um, Yeah, it's just it's a fun show. Except if you don't feel like paying for CBS, you can watch Orville for free. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nice thing. All right. Let's see. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. I actually sent a tweet last week. Thank you very much. So that's good. Uh, let's see. Facebook page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. I guess that's it. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. We will be back in two weeks to discuss the next three episodes of Voyager's fourth season. And until then, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.